Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for July 29th, 2018. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Dan McClintock, Family Life and Missions Minister at Park Road Baptist Church. His sermon today is entitled, How Can We Make a Difference? Also known as the Happiness Course. This course was so wildly popular that over 1,200 students registered to take it. One in four undergraduates, making it the most popular course in Yale's 316-year history. Some suggest that perhaps it was popular because it was one of the easier courses offered at Yale last semester. But nonetheless, there was definitely interest among students in trying to discover what makes us happier. According to the research cited in the course, the things that we think will make us happy don't. More money, a new job, a new home, a nice vacation. No, these might provide a temporary fix, but ultimately, they will not make us happier. That's because only 10% of your happiness is based on the circumstances wherein you find yourself. The professor argues that 50% of happiness is genetic. You can't do anything about that. But the remaining 40% is determined by our thoughts, actions, and attitudes. It's that 40% thoughts, actions, and attitudes that is entirely under your control. So it makes sense that if you want to be happier, That's where you need to focus your attention. A few of the keys to happiness that students in the course were required to practice include, and you might write these down, being physically active, keeping a daily gratitude journal, getting seven hours of sleep each night, learning to live in the present moment and spending time with family and friends. By the way, youth need to listen up to this part. One interesting piece of research shared in the course is based on a study at MIT suggesting that many of our bad habits involve a behavioral loop, cue, routine, reward. For instance, If we're watching TV at night, the cue might be hunger or a food commercial on TV. The routine would be go to the fridge and the reward might be ice cream. Does that sound familiar to anyone? This is the part that the youth need to pay attention to. One of the unhealthy habits cited in the happiness course The cue is boredom, 
The routine is pull out your cell phone, and the reward is a few moments of empty stimulation. Instead, the professor advises responding to the boredom cue by starting a conversation with a stranger or spending a few moments in prayer. Well, actually, she said meditating. So what does all of this have to do with our subject? How can we make a difference serving God and serving others? Well, not surprisingly, the research shows that helping others is one of the activities that will increase our happiness. And I'm sure that this doesn't come as, a, as startling news to any of you. All of you at one time or another have tutored a child or visited someone in the hospital or taken a friend to a doctor's appointment or prepared a meal for room in the inn or shown kindness to a stranger. So you've experienced it. You know that helping others makes you feel good. It makes you happy. Now admittedly, helping others because it makes me happier is the opposite of altruism. But if personal happiness is important enough to merit a course at Yale and a well-attended course at that, then the difference that serving others can make in our own lives perhaps ought to count for something. So in part, yes, we serve others because it makes us happy. It makes us feel good. It's okay, I think, to acknowledge that. But of course, that's not the whole story. In our text from John's Gospel, Jesus says, if you believe in me, the works that I do, you will do also. And greater works than these you will do because I go to the Father. When John talks about believing in Jesus, he's not referring to mere intellectual assent to a set of propositions about Jesus. Believing in Jesus for John is not about believing that he is God's son or that he performed miracles or even that he was raised from the dead. Believing in Jesus instead means trusting that God is revealed through him. It means being actively committed to Jesus. It means, in some sense, uniting your life to his. For John, that's what believing is all about. Believing is being in Christ. There's nothing passive about it. Jesus told his disciples, and I think by extension, he tells all of his followers, that by believing in him, we will have the power, first of all, to do the works that he did. This was not a, would not have been a new or difficult concept for the Hebrew people to accept. In Hebrew thought, uniting a person with Jesus would give that person a share in the same power that Jesus possesses. 
You might remember that Jesus sent out his disciples and then later 70 followers in pairs so that they, and they were told to announce the coming of God's kingdom, to heal the sick, and to cast out demons. In short, to do the things that Jesus was doing. I get that. For me, the troubling part of this verse, the difficult part of the verse, is when it says, greater works than you will do. When Jesus says, greater works than these you will do, because I go to the Father. Jesus promised that his followers would do greater works than he did. How can that be possible? Well, for one thing, Jesus was limited in time and space, being in the form of a man. His life and ministry, his preaching, were limited to the area of Palestine. His followers, even at that time, were numerous. The scriptures say that he appeared to more than 500 believers after his resurrection. Imagine how many people these 500 plus followers might have shared the good news with of God's kingdom. We know that as early as the first century, Paul carried news of the kingdom beyond Palestine to Ephesus, Philippi, and as far away even as Rome. And today, according to the Pew Research Center, there are more than 2.2 billion Christians in the world. If we Christians take the charge to share the good news in word and deed seriously, then by force of sheer numbers, our reach extends far beyond what Jesus himself could do. And what about Jesus' work of healing the sick? It's true that before the time of Christ in Egypt, India, China, and ancient Greece, there's evidence that places existed where the sick were being cared for. But most of what we know today as hospitals can be attributed to the work of early Christians. And it's no accident that the words hospital and hospitality share the same root. They come from the Latin meaning guest house and go back to the biblical mandate to welcome the stranger among us and to care for the sick and the needy. Under the Emperor Constantine, following the First Council of Nicaea in about 325, it was decreed that a hospital would be built in every town where there was a cathedral. And of course, I have to give a shout out to France. In 650, 650, the Hotel Dieu, Hostel of God, was constructed in Paris. It's believed to be the oldest hospital worldwide that is still operating today. It was founded as a multi-purpose institution which catered to the sick and the poor, offering food, shelter, and medical care, offering hospitality to those in need. When we consider all of the amazing work in research and care 
that's done in hospitals all over the world, perhaps we begin to understand something of what Jesus meant when he said, even greater works than these you will do. What's the relationship between faith and good works? The book of James has some ideas on this subject. James says, what use is it if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead by itself. As you might know, Luther called this book of James an epistle of straw, claiming that it has nothing of the nature of the gospel about it. That's because Luther believed that salvation comes through faith alone and has nothing to do with good works. Luther was opposing a works-based righteousness of which the sale of indulgences by the Catholic Church was a part, hence the Reformation. But James is often said to have, written, have been written by the brother of Jesus and was almost certainly the first epistle written in about 45 to 48 AD. So Luther may have been a bit hasty in dismissing it so easily. Whether or not our salvation depends on good works, it seems reasonable to think that good works flow naturally from our faith and our trust in God. We believe, we place our faith in God, and the result is good works. We experience God's love, and our desire then is to extend that love to our neighbors. Are Christians the only one who can make a difference? Obviously not. There are plenty of atheists, agnostics, Jews, Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, and others whose good work makes the world a better place. Maybe giving a cup of water in Christ's name has more to do with what's behind our motivation than anything else. I've mentioned before that I had the privilege of meeting Mother Teresa, and I heard her say that every time she bandaged someone's wounds, every time she gave someone a piece of bread or a cup of water, she imagined that person to be Jesus. And I have no doubt that she did. That's why she's a saint. But I confess that that thought doesn't often come to my mind when I'm serving lunch at the men's shelter or staying overnight at Charlotte Family Housing. Once in a while, if I really don't feel like going out to spend the night, my wife will say, imagine that you're doing it for God. She's way more spiritual than I am. But I think that doesn't count for me 
as positive motivation. Mother Teresa and my wife are probably onto something because even Jesus seems to say that what's important has more to do with how we act than with what we believe. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat, naked and you clothed me. It doesn't sound when it comes right down to it like there's a theology exam waiting for us out there somewhere. It sounds as though it's more about our actions and our attitudes. It sounds like it's about how we treat people, showing kindness to others and helping those in need. Yesterday evening, I officiated at a wedding for two of my former students. It's one of the perks of having spent most of my career in campus ministry, lots of weddings. I reminded this couple that they weren't embarking on their marriage adventure alone, but that they had the love and support of their family and friends, and that the God in whom they placed their trust would accompany them on the journey through both the good times and the more challenging times. Of course, the same can be said for all of us. We are called to be co-workers with God, to be Christ's ambassadors to the world. That's a journey that we're invited to take, serving God by offering kind words of reconciliation and a helping hand to those in need. And neither is this journey an isolated one, but the God who calls us also accompanies us, offering the grace to fulfill our calling. The Beekner meditation in your bulletin today suggests that there may be a ripple effect to the good deeds that we perform and the kindnesses that we demonstrate to others. He says, the life that I touch for good or ill will touch another life and that in turn another until who knows where the trembling stops or in what far place my touch will be felt. The quote brought to mind the movie Pay It Forward, which I thought I had seen about five years ago. When I looked it up, I realized it came out 18 years ago. <laughs> That's what happens when you get older. Anyway, the movie captures this notion of the ripple effect of doing good to others. In the movie, Trevor, who is troubled by his mother's alcoholism and fears of his abusive but absent father, is caught up by an intriguing assignment from his new social studies teacher, Mr. Simonette. The assignment, think of something to change the world and put it into action. Trevor conjures the notion of paying a favor, not back, but forward, repaying good deeds, not by returning the favor, but with new good deeds done to three different people. Trevor's efforts to make good on his idea bring a revolution not only in the lives of himself, his mother, and his teacher, but in those of an ever-widening circle of people completely unknown to him. Everyone begins to pay their good deeds forward with the result that at the end of the film, 
The characters learn from a TV news broadcast that the movement has spread nationwide. I can't prove that this ripple effect of kindness and being good to others exists, but I am certainly convinced that it does. I think when you do something as simple as saying a kind word to a cashier at Harris Teeter, that can have positive effects beyond what you can imagine. I've seen this and experienced it at Sedgefield. We have people tutoring there and reading to students and providing snack bags and offering gifts to the teachers and treating the staff to lunch and proctoring exams and organizing book drives so that the students will have books for the summer and more. And the net result is somehow much more than the sum of its parts. The atmosphere at the school has changed. The attitudes of the students have changed. Even the administrators, teachers, and staff are all positively affected. And how far does it go beyond the school? To the families of these children, perhaps? To their communities? Will what we do at the school matter to some of these children a year from now, 10 years from now? Will it perhaps have an impact that lasts a lifetime? I don't know. I don't know where the trembling stops and in what far place our touch will eventually be felt. May it be so. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you.